questions, I would like to point out that live subtitles, the British Sign Language interpretation proceedings, are available to watch on Parliament Live TV. We now start with questions. Prime Minister Richard Bergen. Question number one, please, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, today is International Women's Day. At home, we are taking huge strides to deliver equal opportunities for women, such as mandatory pay gap reporting and the landmark Domestic Abuse Act. And internationally, we have launched today a new women and girls strategy, which puts them at the heart of everything that we do. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Richard Berger. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Over 100 days ago, the Prime Minister promised to publish his tax returns. He still hasn't. People want transparency in our politics, especially because the Prime Minister is the richest Prime Minister in history and because of the concerns there have been. So why on earth hasn't the Prime Minister published his tax returns yet? When will he do so? And when he does so, will he include his US tax returns? Uh, Mr Speaker, as I previously confirmed, I will publish my tax returns and that will be done very shortly. Mr Speaker, on International Women's Day, can I congratulate the Prime Minister on all the work that has been done on the Preventing Sexual Violence and Conflict Initiative and ensure that the UK continues to show its global leadership. Uh, Mr Speaker, there are 250,000 people in this country living on park home sites. They are treated as second-class citizens by councils, where they pay council tax. They are treated poorly by managers who own the sites, and they are at a disadvantage to when we roll out our incredibly generous energy schemes. Prime Minister ensure that we can actually give them more support and more help and reform the Homes Act. My uh, my honourable friend is right that there is still more work to do to tackle problems with the sector. Uh, We are making progress in implementing changes, Mr Speaker. Park Homer's rights are now codified in writing with the site owner, and should those obligations not be met, residents can take site owners to a tribunal. Local authorities also now have powers to take enforcement action, and we will continue to support them to improve protection for Park Home residents everywhere. Now comes the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. And today, on International Women's Day, we celebrate the successes of women in our society. It is a crying shame that, as we do so, we face legislation which drives a coach and horses through our world-leading modern slavery framework, which protects women from exploitation. Mr Speaker, in the last decade, this Government has introduced five plans to tackle illegal immigration, five utter failures. The problem just gets worse with every new gimmick. The Home Secretary says the public are sick of tough talk and inadequate action. Does he agree with her assessment of this Government's record? Mr. Mr. Speaker, what the Honourable Gentleman fails to recognise is that there is a global migration problem. We are not alone in facing these challenges, and it is precisely because it is precisely because that across Europe the numbers escalating to the extent they are, we have brought forward new plans because we are determined. Mr Speaker, to ensure that this remains a compassionate and generous country, that that is done fairly and legally. 
That's why we will break the criminal gangs, Mr. Speaker. We've announced new agreements with Albania and France, tougher, tougher immigration enforcement, and now new legislation that makes it clear that if you come here illegally, you will be detained and swiftly removed. But, Mr. Speaker, what we haven't heard is the Honourable Gentleman's plan. We know what it is. It's open door immigration and unlimited asylum. Whilst he may be on the side of the people smugglers, we're on the side of the British people. Mr Speaker, if he was serious about stopping the boats, he'd actually steal our plan on stopping the boats, smash the gangs, sort out the returns and clean up the utter mess. Mr Speaker. I'm going to hear this and nobody's going to... I wouldn't if I were you. I think we've heard enough. I want to hear the questions and the answers, and it won't be interrupted. Mr Speaker, nobody on this side of the House wants open borders. On that side, they've lost control of the borders. Now, he's promised the country, he's promised the country that this bill will stop all small boat crossings. No ifs, no buts. Sounds like more talk. So, in the interest of adequate action, when will he achieve that? Well, Mr. Speaker, we, 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 Mr. Speaker, we'll be implementing this plan as soon as we can pass it through Parliament. So I look forward to the honourable gentleman's support. But the reality is, Mr. Speaker, on this issue, it, the, the honourable gentleman has been on the wrong side of this. Prime Minister, Mr. Stafford, if you don't want to hear him, you can go and have a good cup of tea, nice and strong, I suspect. But I will hear him, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the Honourable Gentleman has been on the wrong side of this issue his entire career. He he described all immigration law as racist. He said it was a mistake to control immigration. And he has never, ever voted for tougher asylum laws. It is clear, Mr Speaker, while he's in hock to the open border activists, we're on the side of the British people. Mr Speaker, when I was in charge of prosecutions, I extradited countless rapists and and the the conviction rate for people smuggling was twice what it is today. I voted against his legislation last time because I said it wouldn't work. Since it became law, the numbers have gone up. He's proved me right. He should be apologising, not gloating. The Prime Minister says they will detain people who aren't eligible to claim asylum here and then return them. Well, they already tried that under the last legislation. Last year, 18,000 people were deemed ineligible to apply for asylum. That's the easy bit, the talk. But as for the action, Prime Minister, how many of them have actually been returned? Mr Mr. Speaker, Mr Speaker, as... As a, result, as a result of the plans we've brought forward, we have almost doubled the number of people returned this year. But he talked about, he talked about laws. He talked about. Look, I think the front bench needs to be a little quieter because I want to hear, and I don't need you joining in. I'm going to. 
And when constituents want to hear the importance of Prime Minister's questions, both the questions and the answers, show our constituents the respect they do. Come on, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, he asked, he, asked, he asked about arrests, he asked about our laws. Actually, when I was in Dover yesterday talking to our law enforcement officials, what did they tell me? Precisely because of the law that the Conservative Government passed last year, they have now been able to arrest more than double the number of people they did before. 397 in the last six months. But stopping the boats, Mr. Speaker, stopping the boats is not just my priority, it is the people's priority. But his, posi- his position on this is clear. He wanted to, in his words, scrap the Rwanda deal. He voted against measures to deport foreign criminals, Mr. Speaker, and he even argued against deportation flights. Well, and we know why, because on this matter, he talked about his legal background. He's just another lefty lawyer standing in our way. We'll continue. When you keep shouting, it prolongs, and some of you are trying to catch my eye. When you're disappointed, I don't want any complaints. Let's get through these questions so we might get some back medicine. Mr Speaker, all that nonsense because he doesn't want to answer the question. Because he knows what the answer is. The number is 21. I thought it was a man of detail. 21. 21 people out of the 18,000. And what happens to the rest? They sit in hotels and digs for months on end at the taxpayers' expense. Last year, he promised to end the hotel farce. That's the talk. But because of his mess, there are thousands of people who can't claim asylum and can't be returned. So where does he actually think they're going to end up? Mr Speaker, he talks about the pressure on our asylum system. We've actually got a clear plan to stop people coming here in the first place. Mr Speaker, Labour have absolutely no plan on this issue because they simply don't want to tackle the problem. We introduced introduced tougher sentences for people smugglers. They opposed it. We signed a deal with Rwanda. They opposed it. We are deporting foreign offenders as we speak. They oppose it. I'm going to say to the member from Hull, save that good voice for the rugby match. You might be able to join Mr Stafford over that strong cup of tea. Prime Minister. <laughs> Speaker, in fact, the, he opposed every single step of what we've done to try and stop this problem. In fact, his only, his only contribution to this debate, well, we know what it is. In his own words, what did he say? We will defend free movement. That's the Labour Party for you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, he stood there last year saying exactly the same thing. We said it wouldn't work. They passed the law. The numbers went up. Absolutely deluded. Um, He can't say where they'll return people because they spent £140 on Rwanda and it doesn't work. They can't say how they'll return people because this bill doesn't come with a single new return agreement. And they can't say when they'll fix the mess because it's more talk, more gimmicks, more promises to be broken. Now, a few months ago, I put to him that of the people who arrived on small boats, only 4% had been processed. He stood there and said, that's unacceptable. What's the number now? Ah. Mr. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, 
as a, as a result as a result of what we've done, there are now 6,000 fewer people in the caseload of asylum backlog. We're hiring more caseworkers. We're increasing their productivity. And again, he's mistaken when it comes to returns, Mr. Speaker, because we do have returns agreements with India, with Pakistan, with Serbia, with Nigeria, and crucially, now with Albania, where we are returning hundreds of people, Mr. Speaker. But look, our position on this is clear. If you arrive here illegally, you will not be able to claim asylum here. You will not be able to access the modern slavery system, and you will not be able to make spurious human rights claims. That is the right thing to do. But he's simply he's going on and on about process, hiding behind process, because he doesn't want to confront the substance. We are the party of fairness, and he represents the party of free movement. I thought he was supposed to be the man of detail. He's gone to all that lens to avoid the detail. He knows the answer to the question. Less than 1% of those arrived by boats have been processed. He shakes his head. It's the government's own statistic. On his watch, on his watch, processing of those boat cases has gone from unacceptable, in his words, to almost non-existent. And doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? After 13 years, small boat crossings higher than ever, claims unprocessed, the taxpayer paying for hotel rooms, criminal gangs running all the way, laughing to the bank, and an asylum sister utterly broken on his watch. This is their fifth Prime Minister, their sixth immigration plan, their seventh Home Secretary, and after all this time, all they offer is the same old gimmicks and empty promises. I don't agree with the Home Secretary on very much, but when she says that the Tories are all talk and no action, she's spot on, isn't she? Uh, Mr Speaker... Prime Minister. Mr Speaker... Illegal immigration enforcement, up. The amount of people processing claims, up. The backlog is down. The number of returns agreements is up. New, new re- hundreds of people returned to Albania, and now new laws to detain and deter illegal migrants. It's clear what we stand for, Mr Pisco. We're doing what's right. We are acting with compassion. We are acting with fairness. And we are acting to respect the laws and borders of our country. We are delivering what we said. And it's crystal clear, listening to this, Mr Speaker, that it's going to be the Conservatives and only the Conservatives that stop the boats. Mr Speaker, graphic lessons on oral sex, how to choke your partner safely, and 72 genders. This is what passes for relationships and sex education in British schools. Across the country, children are being subjected to lessons that are age-inappropriate, extreme, sexualising and inaccurate, often using resources from unregulated organisations that are actively campaigning to undermine parents. This is not a victory for equality, it is a catastrophe for childhood. Will my right honourable friend honour his commitment to end inappropriate sex education by commissioning an independent inquiry into the nature and extent of this safeguarding scandal? Can I say I I share my honourable friend's concerns and thank her for her work in this area. Uh, That's why I've asked the Department for Education to ensure that schools are not teaching inappropriate or contested content in RSHE. Our priority should always be the safety and well-being of children, and schools should also 
make curriculum content and materials available to parents. Uh, as a result of all of this, we are bringing forward a review of RSHE statutory guidance and will we'll start our consultation as soon as possible. SNP Leader Stephen Flint. Mr Speaker, on International Women's Day, can I ask the Prime Minister to reconfirm that under his proposed new asylum laws, a woman who is sex trafficked to the UK on a small boat by a criminal gang will not be afforded protection under our modern slavery laws? Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker it is precisely because we want to target our compassion and our resources on the world's most vulnerable people that we must get a grip of this system and break. Can I just say to the SNP, it's quite right the questions are asked, but I also want to hear the answer. Shouting from up there is not helping anybody. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, as I said, it's precisely because we want to target our resources and our compassion on the world's most vulnerable people that we need to get a grip of this system. Make sure that we have control over our borders. Make sure our, our system and resources are not overwhelmed so that we can help the people most in need. There is nothing fair, there is nothing compassionate about sustaining a system where, as we saw recently, people are dying on these crossings. That is not right, and our plans will stop that from happening. Mr MacDonald, I don't need to hear you chunnering all the way through. You can be joining the others for a cup of tea. Come on, Stephen Flynn. <coughs> Mr Speaker, I'll take that as a yes from the Prime Minister that women who are the victims of sex trafficking will not be protected under our modern slavery laws. What a complete and utter disgrace, Mr Speaker. But whilst it may shock, it shouldn't necessarily surprise, because this is the Tory government that in recent months has spoken of invasions. Just yesterday, this was the Tory government that said that 100 million people could be coming to these shores. And this is the Tory government that this morning said that number could, in fact, be billions. Complete and utter nonsense. So may I ask the Prime Minister, from whom are his government taking inspiration? Nigel Farage or Enoch Powell? Mr Speaker, and what a load of nonsense, Mr Speaker. Load of nonsense. No, the, in fact, the, the figure of 100 million it doesn't come from the government. It comes from the United Nations, Mr. Speaker, and it illustrates the scale of the global migration crisis that the world is grappling with. Which is why it is right that we take action, Mr. Speaker. Because if we do not. The numbers will continue to grow. They have more than quadrupled in just two years. It's a sign of what is to come, and our system will continue to be overwhelmed. And if that happens, we will not be able to help the people who are most in need of our support, our generosity, and our compassion. This has always been the way of this country. And once we get a grip of this system, that's who we can extend our support to. And that's why it's the right legislation. Last year, the UK economy grew at the at the fastest rate in the G7 of 4.1%, while at the same time greenhouse gas emissions fell by 3.4%, more than comparable countries. To maintain this momentum ahead of the net zero strategy refresh, will he encourage my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, to use his budget statement next week to stimulate investment in renewable energy projects by renewable energy companies, both offshore and onshore, to improve our energy security, reduce reliance on more expensive fossil fuels, and ultimately reduce bills for households? 
Mr. Speaker, I'm proud of our commitment to scaling up renewable energy sources. Uh, renewables make up now nearly 40% of our electricity supply, a fourfold increase since 2011. My honourable friend will know that I uh, cannot and will not preempt budget decisions, but he is a powerful champion for the environment in this House, and I've no doubt that he'll make his no views known to the Chancellor. Ed David. One of the tributes on International Women's Day and pay a special tribute to the women in this House past and present who helped shape the future of our country. Mr Speaker, when Jean rang 999, she was told she would have to wait at least eight hours for an ambulance. So she got in her car and drove herself to Eastbourne District General Hospital. She paid for parking and made it to the entrance of A&E, where she collapsed. Jean died an hour later. Mr Speaker, no one should lose their mother or grandmother like that. So will the Prime Minister apologise to Jean's family and to all those who have lost loved ones due to the Government's appalling ambulance delays? Well, Mr Speaker, of course, my thoughts and condolences go to Jean and Jean's family for what's happened. It, it's absolutely right that we continue to make progress on improving the performance in urgent emergency care. We outlined plans to do this uh, just the other month, and I'm pleased to say that we are seeing performance improve, whether it's weights in A&E or ambulance performance times, a considerably marked improvement over the last several weeks compared to the peak pressures that we saw over the winter due to COVID and flu. Um, and because of the investments we're putting in, in more ambulances, more doctors and nurses, and more discharge, I'm confident that that we will continue to make progress to getting the care that we all expect and need to see. Joe Gideon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Since its release earlier this year, the heartwarming and inspiring story of Dave Fishweave's journey to set up a community bank has quickly risen to be one of Netflix's top films. Last week in the Chamber, I called for more initiatives, such as the Bank of Dave, to support local communities across the UK. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that financial inclusion is an essential part of levelling up opportunities in our communities? And will he meet with me and Dave to discuss how we can replicate his success story in other areas such as Stoke-on-Trent? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, community-focused banks and non-bank lenders, like the Burnley Savings and Loans, have a vital role to play in ensuring that everyone can access affordable credit. That's why we've made it quicker and easier for new banks to enter the market, and the new bank startup unit was created several years ago, and now 30 new banks have been authorised. I will ensure that my honourable friend gets the meeting with the Exchequer Secretary to discuss this issue further. Kevin Brennan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. BBC Radio 4's You and Yours have exposed queue-jumping online touts who have been buying up Eurovision tickets and putting them on sale for thousands of pounds on dodgy sites like Viagogo. In this year, when we are hosting Eurovision on behalf of war-ravaged Ukraine, this latest example of rampant rip-off uh, uh, culture in Tory Britain is particularly, particularly, particularly despicable. Why? Hasn't his government done more to support? Why hasn't his government done more to support genuine fans over the rip-off merchants, the spivs, and the ticket touts? Well, Mr. Speaker, actually, we will continue. We have we have put in place measures to combat ticket touting. I'm happy to look at the 
the documentary that he mentioned and make sure that we're doing everything we can do, and I'll talk to the Home Secretary about it. Uh, but more generally, it is a source of enormous pride for us to host Eurovision. I know it's something that everyone is looking forward to, and we should ensure that there is the broadest possible access uh, to seeing that, and we'll do everything we can to make sure that that happens. David Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, in the aftermath of 9-11, the British government signed an extradition treaty with the United States with the intention of covering terrorism and violent crime. Since it came into force in 2003, uh, the US has extradited 83 people to, hit to uh, the UK. We've sent 225 to America, and three-quarters of those have been for non-violent um, and largely white-collar alleged crimes. There's a fundamental unfairness at the heart of our extradition treaty, and it was shown by the fact that Anna Sakoulis refused to come uh, to face trial for the killing of uh, Harry Dunn. The unfair treaty is compounded by an American system which coerces British citizens uh, and gives them an unfair trial. In the last two, year, uh, uh, the last two decades, the, uh, the American uh, policy has been rather like uh, an international commercial policy. Uh, will the, will, correcting this is important. Will the Prime Minister look at this treaty with a view to correcting this parity of justice? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I thank the, my right honourable friend for his question. Obviously, it's in our national interest to have effective extradition relationships, and under the treaty we have with the US, we've secured the extradition and subsequent conviction of terrorists, murderers, rapists and child sex offenders. Um, I'm happy to meet with him to discuss this issue further. Uh, as he knows, the US has refused, I think, one UK extradition, and the, UK, uh, uh, sorry, the US has refused one UK extradition request, and the UK has refused 27. But I know that he has concerns, and I'd be happy to meet him to discuss this further. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. There's a stark correlation between areas off the gas grid and those with the highest rates of fuel poverty. It's worse in Scotland, ironically, in those areas closest to the national gas reserves in the North Sea, but also in urban deprived areas where multi story flats are deprived of the ability of having natural gas. Being off the gas grid means that you're dependent on currently unregulated fuels such as heating oil that have risen faster than electricity and gas, or being dependent upon old and inefficient and very costly all-electric systems. Will the Prime Minister end this by ensuring that all fuels are regulated, and also by ensuring that these households that are all-electric are able to get the alternative fuel payment? Yeah, yeah. Mr Speaker, as someone who represents a rural constituency with many people off gas grid, I appreciate the concern that the Honourable Gentleman raises, but that's why that's always been uppermost in the Government's mind as, if we, as we've designed and implemented our support for people with energy bills, notably doing that based on electricity metres rather than gas, but also putting in place the alternative fuel support payment of £200, and we're making sure that that gets to everyone who needs it. Richard Bacon. Mr Speaker, the adjustments to the dental contract last November were a very welcome step, but there is more work to do. Will the Prime Minister therefore keep this area under the very closest review to ensure that constituents such as mine in South Norfolk and those of other honourable members get the best possible dental care? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, Mr. Speaker, my uh, honourable friend raises uh, an excellent point, and I can tell him that we are continuing to invest in NHS dentistry, three billion pounds a year. But we've also enabled practices to do 10% more activity on top of their contracts and remove the barriers so that hygienists and other therapists can continue to work to their full skill set. The number of NHS dentists has increased by about 500 over last year, and we'll continue to work with the sector to see what more we can do. Rosie Duffield. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As today is International Women's Day, does the Prime Minister agree with me that voters in the run-up to May's local elections have every right to ask candidates who are standing for a position of responsibility in local government questions relating to women's rights? And does he believe that as representatives of their political parties, all candidates must answer those questions honestly, politely and with respect while standing on a voter's doorstep? Well, Mr Speaker, the, uh, the Honourable Lady makes an excellent point, and I wholeheartedly agree with her. The, these are important questions. Voters deserve to have clear and straightforward answers to them, uh, and I hope that she can continue to put her campaign forward. She'll have my full support, and I hope in the local elections we can debate these issues in the way that they should be. Chris Watts. Thank you, Mr yeah. Speaker. Um, last weekend, I had the pleasure of being auctioned off for the Conservative <laughs> Women's Organisation. <laughs> International Women's Day. Will my right honourable friend uh, join me in paying tribute to the excellent work the CWO do to get more women, uh, conservative women, into politics, and pay in paying tribute to all the remarkable women who support us in the work we do, especially because she's in the gallery, my mum. Mr. Speaker, can I? Can I congratulate, first of all, my honourable friend for his successful auction? Um, I assume, it, I, I assume it, wasn't his, it wasn't his mother that bid for him successfully. Uh, but also uh, pay, pay tribute to her, uh, but also pay tribute to the work of the Conservative Women's Organisation for the fantastic work they do. We need more uh, women standing in local and national politics, and everyone who is working to bring that about deserves our praise and thanks, and long may it continue. Thank you, Mr Speaker. On today's International Women's Day, uh, research published by pensions company Scottish Widows has shown that uh, a woman retiring today would have to work to the age of 81 to achieve a pension fund parity with her male counterpart. And as everybody is worrying, a woman in the workplace today, aged 25, uh, can still expect to retire with a pension fund £100,000 on average lesser than her male counterparts. With all of the fiscal and social policy levers at his disposal, can the Prime Minister tell us how he is going to set a course to shut that gap over what remains of his Premiership? Well, Mr Speaker, the Government takes the issue of the gender pensions gap incredibly seriously, and we have delivered groundbreaking pension reforms and major progress. Automatic enrolment has in fact helped millions more women save into the pension, and pensions participation among eligible women in the private sector was 87% in the last available year, up from just 40% a few years ago. And we remain committed to the measures in the 2017 review, and will continue to give this uh, issue all the attention it deserves until we can close the gap. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Grimsby Town Football Club has reached the quarter-finals of the Cup. Uh, the last time the team achieved that was in 1939, which, by coincidence, was the previous time that the town had a Conservative MP. Now, 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 I know, now I know that Grimsby
Grimsby beats the Prime Minister's team of Southampton to get to this next stage, but would he join with me in congratulating the team and wishing them the best of luck when they uh, play against Brighton Hove Albion in the next stage? Mr Speaker, it pains me, although uh, I, will, I will say congratulations to the Honourable Lady and Grimsby uh, for their victory over Southampton, and I now have a new team to support in the uh, Cup, and she'll have my full support. I wish them well against their next match, and look forward to cheering her and all her colleagues on. Steve McKay. Mr Speaker, I've heard the Prime Minister talk fondly about helping out in his mum's community pharmacy. How will we feel if 600 of them close this year because of a vicious NHS contract which takes no account of rising costs and is forcing many into bankruptcy? Yeah. Mr. Mr Speaker, I praise the work that our community pharmacies do. They are fantastic at being on the front line of delivering primary care. And As I have said previously, the Government is exploring ways in which we can support them to do even more, because I think improving access to pharmacies is something that people would both welcome and would help people get the care that they need faster and more efficiently, and we will continue to look at all the proposals that have been given to us. Kelly Thomas. an illegal waste site has been operating in the village of Borstal. Tipper lorries covering their number plates as they thunder onto the site at all hours of the day and night, blighting the lives of the residents that live directly by and creating untold environmental damage. I thank the DEFRA team for their engagement with the Environment Agency so far, but no action has been taken. So does my right honourable friend agree with me that enough is enough and swift multi-agency action should be taken to stop and shut down illegal and criminal activity such as this. Yeah. Uh, well, can I thank my right honourable friend for raising this issue. Uh, the Government is committed to tackling waste crime, and the Joint Unit for Waste Crime brings together agencies in the way that she described. I am aware she has met the Local Environment Agency Director about this particular issue, but I will also ensure that she gets a meeting with the relevant Minister to discuss this further. Matt Robert. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, my constituent, Ollie Stevens, was just 13 years old when he was stabbed and brutally murdered in a local park just yards from his home. The two boys who attacked him had shared dozens of pictures of knives online before the attack. So could the Prime Minister explain to me why the government's removed measures to tackle this sort of dreadful online content from the online safety bill? Well, Mr Speaker, I'm very sorry to hear about the case that the Honourable Gentleman raises. My thoughts are with Ollie's family. Uh, he's absolutely right that we should do everything we can to tackle the scourge of knife crime. Uh, and that's why, for instance, this government brought forward new powers to improve the, the police's use of stop and search, uh, which has made a major difference. And actually, violent crime is now down considerably uh, over the past few years. The online safety bill also goes further than any other country has gone to make sure that we are protecting children online. I'm happy to look at the specific issue that he mentions, but it's been praised by the Children's Commissioner and others for being a groundbreaking, groundbreaking law that will do wonders to improve children's safety. Daniel Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Uh, the Secretary of State for DEFRA will be visiting Shrewsbury at the end of this month at my invitation, and she will hear uh, the tremendous progress to date from the River Severn Partnership and the Environment Agency that we are working to try to find a holistic solution to managing Britain's longest river, the River Severn. 
We are now experiencing flooding in Shrewsbury on an annual basis, with tremendous economic damage as a result. Will he take an interest, please, and secure additional funding for DEFRA so that we can finally tame these rivers and protect our communities from annual flooding? This is uh, an issue that my honourable friend has raised before, and, and he's right to do so. Uh, the government has doubled flooding, for double investment in flood defences over this parliament to uh, £5.2 billion. I know the DEFRA secretary uh, will have a visit, we'll talk to him and his communities, and I look forward to hearing back from her after that. Joel Jones. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Between 1997 and 2010, Labour governments across the UK lifted 800,000 children out of poverty. Yet, since 2010, the Conservatives have driven half a million children into poverty, with child poverty next year predicted to reach levels not seen since the 1990s. There is not enough parliamentary time this year for the Prime Minister to say sorry to each child damaged by their policies. But could the Prime Minister start today by saying sorry for all the children that he failed during this time? Yeah. Well, well, Mr Speaker, the, the exact stats are since, since 2010 there are 1.2 million fewer people in poverty uh, than there were, and that's because of the actions that this Conservative Government has been putting in place, like raising the national living wage, which, by the way, Mr Speaker, the best way to ensure that children especially do not grow up in poverty is to ensure that they are not growing up in a workless household. And as a result of the actions of this government in getting people into work, there are now several thousand fewer workless households than in 2010. It was a great pleasure to welcome the Prime Minister to Dover to talk about the work he's undertaking on the pull factors to tackle illegal immigration. The Prime Minister has a meeting upcoming with President Macron this week. Could I ask him to see what more can be done to do with the push factors of illegal migration around small boats, particularly pushing those boats across French beaches and pushing those boats from French beaches into the French Sea? Mr Speaker, as I said before, there is, no, there is no single lever that will solve this problem, which is right that we work on all the different things that will make a difference, uh, including close cooperation with the French. That's why I was pleased at the end of last year the Home Secretary and I announced the largest ever small boats deal with France, 40% increase in patrols, greater cooperation, and we look forward to strengthening that cooperation and furthering uh, that discussion this Friday. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, let us be absolutely clear in this chamber. Under this government's new dystopian, far-right, appeasing, anti-refugee bill, those, those, who were trafficked, who, those who were trafficked to the UK would still face deportation. Can the Prime Minister, therefore, clear up whether Sir Mo Farah, who last year bravely revealed that he was trafficked to the UK as a child, would have been removed under this bill. Mr Mr. Speaker, it's precisely because that we do want to help the world's most vulnerable people that we've got to stop that we've got to stop our system being exploited and overwhelmed by illegal migrants who are being trafficked here by criminal gangs there is nothing compassionate there is nothing fair about supporting that system continued continuing and that's why our new laws are the right way to deal with this and i hope that he can see that and support them and that's, uh, 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This morning on International Women's Day, I'm joined some of the amazing young women at Our Lady of Lords School in Leon C to take part in the FA's Let Girls Play Football. Does my right honourable friend agree that sport and football in particular is a brilliant way to empower young women? And would he visit South End and celebrate some of our aspiring lionesses? Yes. Well, Mr. Speaker, my honourable friend makes an excellent point. I wholeheartedly agree with her. Hopefully, I can come and visit her. She's right about the power of sport to both uh, engage young women but also to inspire others. I'm looking forward to seeing the lionesses later today, and the government is pleased to announce uh, today more funding and more support for sport in schools, which I hope she will warmly welcome. Final question to Heer Ali. Mr. Speaker, on International Women's Day, it is vital we talk about women in Indian-occupied Kashmir being subjected to rape, domestic abuse, kidnapping, forced marriage and torture by the Prime Minister Moody's extremist BJP-led government. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that the BJP government have exploited women through gender-based violence, and does he agree that the UK government should be standing in solidarity with Kashmiri women? Speaker, this, this government has a proud record of standing up for women and girls across the world. We have led the way in preventing sexual violence in conflict, and we are taking a lead on ensuring tens of millions of girls receive the high-quality education that they deserve in some of the poorest parts of the world. And just today, we have announced a new women and girls strategy from the Foreign Office and back that up with £200 million more to support women's health around the world, and that continues our leadership on this issue, which will remain the case. Just let the chamber clear.